Chapter 15 of Molly Brown's Senior Days by Nell Speed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Campus Ghost About this time, Wellington was filled with strange rumors that were much discussed in small sitting rooms behind closed doors. It was said, and this part of the story could be credited as truth, that a woman had been seen wandering about the campus late at night wringing her hands and moaning some of the blakeley house girls had seen her from their window one night and had rushed to find the matron but the strange woman had disappeared by the time the matron had been summoned another night she had been seen or rather heard under the quadrangle window she had been seen at other places and some of the irish maids had been filled with superstitious dread because absurd as it might seem to sensible persons it was reported that the weeping moaning lady was the ghost of miss walker's sister who had died so many years ago it's an evil omen miss a waitress said to nance one evening in ireland ghosts come to foretell bad news it's no good to the college sure that she's wandering here the nights don't you worry nora it's just some poor crazy woman said nance sensibly then where does she be after keeping herself hid in the daytime miss i can't say but it will come out sooner or later ghosts don't exist sure and you're found a plenty of em in the old country miss well maybe this is an imported ghost laughed molly nevertheless not a girl in college but felt slightly uneasy about being out after dark alone and most trans campusitors were careful to come home early one night molly and nance had been down to the village to supper with judith blunt and madeline petit they had had a gay time and a jolly supper and it was quite half-past nine before they hurried up the hilly road to wellington the two girls had locked arms and were walking briskly along talking in low voices it was a wonderful night there was no moon but the stars were brilliant and molly was inclined to be poetical bright star would i were steadfast as though art she began waving her free arm with expressive gestures not in lone splendor hung aloft the night molly hissed nance in a frightened whisper do be still look they had turned in at the avenue now and there directly over where old queens once stood was a tall figure draped in black as the girls came up she began to moan in a low voice and wring her hands oh molly i'm so scared my knees are giving away what shall we do let's run whispered molly admitting silently that the phantom was a bit unnerving here take my hand and let's fly 
She's crazy, of course, and she might do anything to us. With hands clasped, the two girls flew up the campus. Glancing over her shoulder, Nance gave a wild cry and pressed along faster. She's chasing us, she gasped. Oh, heavens, she'll kill us. Molly glanced back. Sure enough, the phantom, keeping well within the shadow of the elms, was running behind them. Oh, Nance, can't you run a little faster, she cried, now thoroughly frightened. Not a soul was on the campus that night. The place was entirely deserted, and it looked for a few minutes as if they were going to have a very uncomfortable time. But as they neared the quadrangle, the figure slipped away and was lost in the dense shadow of the trees that bordered the avenue. Lay me on a stretcher, gasped Molly, as she dropped on a bench inside the gates, while Nance went to inform the gatekeeper of the strange presence on the campus. Immediately, the gatekeeper, who was also night watchman, rushed out with a lantern to chase the phantom, which was a poor way to catch her, you will admit. Once in the privacy of their own sitting room, Nance had a real case of hysterics, laughing and weeping alternately, and Molly felt quite faint and had to lie on the sofa, while Judy, who had been moodily strumming her guitar most of the evening, gave them aromic spirits of ammonia. I should think you would have been frightened, she said sympathetically, but fancy old Nance's running. It's the first time on record. Nance shuddered. I don't think you would have stood still under the circumstances, she answered. I don't think I would, but I should like to have known who the ghost was just the same. Suppose you had stopped still and let her come up to you. Do you think she would? Heavens, exclaimed the other two in one breath. She ran after you because you were running from her, observed the wise Judy. People always give advice about ghosts and robbers and mad dogs, said Molly, and they are the ones that run the fastest when the ghosts and robbers and mad dogs appear. Do you think it was a ghost? asked Judy, ignoring the irritation of her friends. If it had been a ghost, it would have caught up with us, answered Molly, while Nance in the same breath said emphatically, I don't believe in ghosts. Nance and Molly were heroines for several days after this, and during this time the ghost did not reappear on campus, although a close watch was kept for her. The Williams sisters insisted on walking down the avenue every night at half past nine in hopes of seeing a real phantom, but she was careful to keep herself well out of sight during this vigilance. One night some ten days later, just as the town clock told midnight, Molly waked suddenly with a draft of cold air in her face. She sat up in bed and glanced sleepily through the open door into the sitting room. Where did the air come from, she wondered, 
and then noticed that Judy's door was open and slipped softly out of bed. Why she did not simply close her own door, she never could explain. But some hidden impulse moved her to look into Judy's room. A shaded night lamp turned quite low cast a soft luminous shadow right across Judy's bed, which was empty. Molly started violently. Once before they had come into Judy's room at midnight and found her bed empty. The startling recollection caused Molly to run to the open window. As she leaned out, her hand touched something rough, a rope. A rope ladder, she whispered to herself, horrified. Great heavens, Judy has done for herself now. Just then, the rope scraped her knuckles and she felt a tug at it from below. Someone is coming up. Molly looked out. Judy, she whispered in a tone filled with reproach. How could you? The voice from above must have frightened the climber, for, with an excited little gasp, she missed her hold on the rope and fell backward, where she lay for a moment perfectly still. It was not a very great fall, but it must have hurt, and instantly Molly climbed to the window sill and began to make her way slowly down the ladder. It was not so difficult as she thought, but she was frightened when, at last, she bounded onto the ground, and she was freezing cold in spite of her knitted slippers and woolen dressing gown. "'Have you hurt yourself badly?' she asked, leaning over Judy, who was endeavoring to sit up. "'No, only dazed from the fall,' whispered Judy. "'Go on up.' will you or we'll both get caught you'd better go first said molly i'm afraid to leave you down here alone go on instantly she added remembering that she must be stern since judy richly deserved all the reproaches she could think of judy began the ascent and pulled herself over the window sill then exhausted she sat on the floor holding her throbbing temples in both hands. That is why she did not see what was presently to happen. Just as Molly placed her foot on the first rung of the ladder, a firm hand grasped her arm. Why she did not shriek aloud with all the power of her lungs, she never knew. But she remained perfectly silent while a voice, and it was Miss Walker's voice, said in her ear you will say nothing about this tonight i wish you to come to my office tomorrow morning at ten do you understand yes ma'am answered molly reverting to her childhood's method of answering older people she climbed the ladder in a day sort of way it was more difficult than climbing down but at last she scaled the window sill and jumped into the room. Judy was still sitting on the floor, holding her temples. Perhaps it had been only five minutes, but it seemed like a thousand years. However, she felt little sympathy for Judy, bruised temple or not. Get up from there and get to your bed, 
she whispered, and I want to hear from you exactly what you were doing down there and where you got that ladder. The rope ladder belonged to Anne White, Judy answered in a stifled voice. I borrowed it to win a wager from Adele. Of course, I didn't mean to blame her, but she teased me into it. It was silly, I know, looking back on it now. What was the bet? She bet that I would be afraid to climb down the ladder at midnight when the ghost is supposed to walk. I was simply to climb down, touch the ground, and climb back again. Idiots, both of you, said Molly furiously. I know it, and I am sorry now, said the penitent Judy. But fortunately no harm has been done except to my silly head, which needed a good whacking anyhow. No harm, thought Molly angrily. I wonder what's going to happen to me tomorrow. One of us will be expelled, I suppose. Miss Walker is already down on Judy. Thank you for coming down to me, Molly dearest. Molly closed the door. Judy, I want you to promise me something, she said, if you get out of this scrape. But no one knows it but you. I have no idea of telling on you, Judy, but things leak out. How do you know you weren't observed? Judy looked startled. I want you to promise me to give up this Adele Windsor and her crowd. She's never done you any good. She's a malicious, dangerous, wicked girl. And if you haven't the sense to see it, I'll just tell you. This was strong language coming from Molly. If you don't, mid-years will certainly see your finish. If you aren't, drop sooner. You're not studying at all, and you are simply acting outrageously, dyeing your hair and borrowing rope ladders. I'm disgusted with you, Judy Keene. I am indeed. Miss Walker has a grudge against me, announced Judy in a hot whisper. Nonsense, said Molly, and she swept out of the room and crawled into her bed, very weary and cold and frightened wondered what the morrow would bring forth in the way of punishment for her, or was it to be for Judy? In the meantime, foolish Judy carefully coiled up the rope ladder and hid it in the bottom of her trunk. End of chapter 15 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.